0: Welcome to Pilot Boys, the podcast where we reviewed the first episode of TV shows, otherwise known as The Pilot. My name is Caesar. I'm Santos. What's up? Today we have a returning guest and his name is... Gabriel. And he was on our last podcast for Queer Eye. And today we're doing Pose, the series about the drag underbelly or like the drag life in the late 80s.
1: It's about the ballroom scene.
0: We'll get into the details, but yeah, it's like the ballroom scene and... I saw it appropriate because we're not really familiar with that life. I mean, I've been to a few drag shows, but we're not that familiar with it. And I wanted to get Gabriel, who's way more familiar than either of us.
2: Wait, you've been to a drag show?
0: Yeah, I've been to one.
2: You're fucking cool.
0: I don't even know if that counts. Would you count that, Gabby? Like at Hamburger Mary's?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's drag queens performing, so it's a drag show.
0: Or I guess I should ask, is there a big difference between what they deem a ball And a drag show?
1: I personally think there is because uh, the ballroom scene doesn't really involve you tipping the performer. And the drag scene does. Oh, okay. The ballroom scene is just pretty much build up a name within your own community without getting any profit from it.
0: And is, is the ballroom scene like an older name? Or does that still exist nowadays?
1: No, it's still a thing. There's a lot of YouTube videos you can look up, and it's still a thing that's thriving in, like, New York. So it's still around. Gotcha.
2: I have a question. How does one earn the title Queen?
1: I mean, I'm no expert, so I wouldn't know how to answer that. But, I mean, you you saw in the episode, some of them start their own house, and that's pretty much how some of them get that title.
2: Mm, I was happy they explained that in the show, too, because at first I was like, oh, what what, what that mean? But they did a pretty good job at explaining a lot of shit. All
0: right, so I want to get some first impressions. I'll start with you, Gabby, because you watched it before us, and we watched it, well, just like a few minutes ago. We just finished it. So what did you think? Your first impression?
1: Like, overall, the episode?
0: Yeah, the entire episode. Which, by the way, is the longest fucking pilot I've ever seen in my fucking life. It was basically a movie.
2: That is the longest pilot episode we've seen for this show as well.
0: It was basically like 90 minutes almost. No, it was like 70 or something. So anyway, what Yeah, what were your first impressions?
1: I thought it was really, really good. It does have a lot of representation for people who are very underrepresented in the media. So I thought that was really cool to see. And the music was really catchy. And was, it was a lot of fun to like hear a lot of the music in the show. And... Overall, I mean, I thought they tried to tackle a lot of things in the first episode, but I think some of the things that they did tackle were really important, and I thought overall it was a pretty good first uh, pilot episode. Mm -hmm. Okay.
2: What about you, Santos? I don't know what to expect, because i never seen, like, a trailer or anything. I was just like, oh, Pose. So, at first, I thought it was going to be, like, a reality TV show or something. No, no, no. Yeah, I wasn't expecting, like, a real... Real television. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoo. I was surprised. I fucked with the music a lot. I like the 80s. And they played my favorite 80s song, too. So I was like, yay. I felt bad for the 17-year-old, though. They made me feel for him. Damon? For the kid, yeah. When he was getting smacked by his dad. I was like, damn, that's fucking... That's trash. Yeah, I was fucked up.
0: So, I thought it was great. I really loved it. And the thing you mentioned about the music... I felt like with the characters they were all great characters and you get like varied people from different backgrounds but the music if new york is a character in the city i think the music is the bloodline because it ties up and it's throughout the entire first episode which to me i mentioned that it was so long because it felt like a little mini movie like it felt like there was like these disparate plot lines that kind of come together in these ways and i mean yeah it was a little long in some points and i'll talk about that more but overall, I thought it was great. I thought the ball scenes were really great. Like, the camera works where they were, like, tracking shots and they were, like, one oneers were great. I'll talk about the Trump stuff because I thought that was interesting.
2: Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too.
0: It's topical, but it's, like, topical in, like, a very obvious way. But we'll talk about that more later
2: on. I feel like I didn't need a lot of the scenes with uh... Evan Peters. Evan Peters? And his wife? Like, I get it. You're married. Mm.
1: I think there was a lot more to that because they're showing a contrast in like... So like, Evan Peters is pretty much a similar age to the people in the ballroom scene. And there's a big contrast where they are in life. And that's what I took it as. Like, here's this rich white kid who's pretty much doing really well in life. And then there's these people who are in the ballroom scene and they're just in very different places in their life even though they're about the same age. Mm. Yeah,
0: I I agree with Gabby. I thought I was going to really hate that Evan Peters and uh, Kate Kate Morrow were in this, because I saw them in the cast. But I ended up really enjoying their scenes, like the scene where he's dancing with his wife, and then the colors shift to show that he's, like, sad or whatever. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. right, so let's get into, like, a quick recap. So, okay, so we get introduced to the House of Abundance, and they perform in the show, but they get caught for stealing their costumes. And one of the queens or one of the performers... Her name is Blanca. She decides to create her own house
2: after she gets diagnosed with HIV. Yeah,
0: they don't really explain why she wants to leave, right?
2: I thought she took it as, like, oh, I don't know how much time I got left. I want to do what I want to do. Like, fulfill my dreams.
0: I got that, too, but I wasn't sure if that was as obvious. Mm. Because I think one of the things that was also that wasn't as obvious was the fact that she kind of felt like this wasn't a space that was healthy for her because... Right away, Electra was mothering to her when she finds when she gets diagnosed, but then she's like cold and like calls her a monster or a beast.
1: It's a beast.
0: Yeah, so she decides to create her own house, and then we get this other storyline about Angel, who's a prostitute or a hooker, a sex worker, and this like rich kid who's gonna start working for Trump, and they're just talking instead of like having sex. And then we get to see her start her house and then joining their first ball. There's another storyline about this kid named Damon who wants to join dance school and gets kicked out of his house by his father. So it's pretty much just the beginning of the house of Evangelista, which is Blanca's house's name. Post created by Steve Cannells, Brad Falchuk, and Ryan Murphy. And Ryan Murphy is one of these people who I have a complicated relationship with because I don't necessarily like all of his things, but I'm starting to like his media about queerness or queer identity because I feel like when I was introduced to his work, which was Glee and American Horror Story, I just was not a fan.
2: Oh, guy? Exactly.
0: And which is weird because I've seen most like a little bit of almost everything that he's done, mm-hmm. but I, I just don't like him as a person for some reason. But I like some of the shit he does. Like I really like the OJ series. And I was digging uh, the second season about Versace. I like some of his shit, but I think I'm starting to like his stuff where he talks about queer identity. Because before, when he was making media, it was like media without like without saying anything. Because I thought the first season of American Horror Story was really mediocre, but it was like it was entertaining. He's getting in this position where he can tell stories that are important, mm. and I think this is just following suit with that. Because like now. He has a series with five trans women in it. He's telling, like, this very important story about queer blackness in the late 80s. But it's also, like, very political in a very over-the-top way. And that's, that's the best way I could describe the show and why it resonated with me. Do you guys have any familiarity with Ryan Murphy?
1: Yeah, I mean, I used to watch Glee, but I got pretty bored of Glee. And then I picked up American Horror Story too. but after the first season, it was kind of bad.
0: But you kept watching it though, right?
1: I stopped after the fourth season because it was just getting progressively worse. And Mm -hmm. I watched People vs. OJ, which is one of his better shows. I thought the first season was pretty amazing. And Mm -hmm. then I saw Versace, but didn't finish it. And that's about it. But he has done a lot.
0: And he did The Normal Heart, which was a great little HBO movie.
1: Oh, yeah. The Normal Heart was pretty good. Mm -hmm. He has
2: like a thing with Fox, huh? Like, all of his stuff has been Fox. So. huh?
0: He did, but he recently just got, like, a contract with Netflix.
2: Oh, uh, okay. I see.
0: Yeah, so...
1: One of the people behind Pose is also... He's Afro-Latino. One of the writers. So... Okay. I looked into Who's that, because I was like, it's uh, Steve Canals? I think that's how you pronounce his okay. last name? But I looked into it because I was wondering who created the show, because obviously Ryan Murphy's white. <laughs> so I wanted to see if there were any people of color that were part of the production... And there is.
0: Just based on the feel of the show, I feel like when we watched Vida, I'm not sure if you've watched it, but we contrasted Vida, which is a show about queer Latina women in Boyle Heights, with another show about Latinidad or Latinones in LA, which is on my block. And there's this huge difference between them. And one of them was directed by white people, or it felt like it was for white people. And the other one felt like it was for people of color, or for Latinos. And I think you always get that when you have a diverse writing room or like a diverse a diverse cast in a diverse writing room, because it it shows like it shows that this even if Ryan Murphy is white, he's still casted in all trans, all people of color, trans like main characters. And that shows right away. It gives you this authenticity that you can't accomplish in the same way if you don't have them.
2: Wait, those people are legitimately trans?
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, that's kind of cool. I didn't
0: know that. Blanca is trans. Angel is trans. Electra is trans.
1: The way they bring it up, like in the show, it's very like...
0: It's very natural. It's organic.
1: It's different. Like how they bring it up, like when Angel takes off her panties and then Evan Peters' character is just kind of like, you know, makes a joke about it, but it's nothing very serious. And then that's that's just it. And with Blanca, she just mentions like she just mentions it casually through conversation. And that's it. It it doesn't have to be a big deal. And I think that's also something that's very different about this show and the way they bring up the issue.
2: I thought they were just really good actors.
0: They are, but that also just shows how little it should matter, but how much it actually does. Uh,
2: I thought that was one of like the best parts about the show the act
0: so the acting was really like they were all really good and i also think that they were like well-rounded characters usually when you have trans people or like you have people who are marginalized communities particularly like trans people or intersex there's it's it's usually revolved around tragedy or it's kind of othering or disgusting to see them in some ways and i think this show did not do that whatsoever it accomplished it in such a respectful way that other shows don't and it just did it by providing them or showing them in like a normal way in like a way that yes it can't like for example the only traditional like gay black male or or man in this show is damon and the writing of his character is supposed to show that yes this is like the traditional like trope of gay people having like a bad fallout with their parents But that's such a small percentage of the show compared to everyone else. Like, there is tragedy, but it's also, like, when I watched it, I was like, oh my my god, here we go again. Another, like, tragic story about, like, someone being in the closet. But it's not just that. At the same time, you you can't avoid talking about that because it is a reality for so many people, particularly in the 80s.
1: And I think it, it goes to show, like, transgender people have always been around. Like, just because it's more mainstream now doesn't mean it's just starting to be a thing now. Like, it's, they've always been around, and I think the show goes, and it shows that pretty well.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And I think it, it does a good job, like, not whitewashing them. Because Ryan Murphy is a student of media, I think, and he's showing that he doesn't want another stonewall. Because what happened with Stonewall is they, they made a black trans character into a white male. Yeah. It was just like a white dude who's supposed to be. He was, he was supposed to be trans, right?
1: I don't think he was supposed to be trans in the movie. I think he was just a cis white gay. Yeah. And they used him as the protagonist for mm-hmm. a movie about Stonewall. Which is very inaccurate.
0: So Stonewall is this event in history about the cops came to antagonize them. And she fought back. But it was like a historic moment and they whitewashed it pretty much.
1: Uh, Yeah. So it's pretty much just like um, transgender women of color at the forefront and it got whitewashed. Yeah, pretty much.
0: So, okay. I think, I think we, anything else you guys wanted to touch on that really struck you for the first episode before we jump into the themes?
1: Playing with the music was something that they showed really well. Because, I mean, when they're robbing the museum, the music stops and it leaves you with, like, this tension. But once the music starts to play, you know they're going to get away. And it's kind of an indicator of what's happening and how fun this is supposed to be and how it's not meant to be taken serious that they're stealing stuff. Yeah. So I think that was pretty cool for them to do with the music.
0: Yeah, and I also think that there is something so crucial about music to a queer identity particularly like pop music you know what i mean like every time you talk about queer identity at least as a language in film it's usually tied to music every like big piece of queer media has a very particular relationship with music call me by your name had of course all the 80s songs that came out Anything from the 80s is usually always tied. Which is why I said that the music felt like the bloodline of the show. Because it's throughout everything. It's throughout the entire episode. It's also something that's so tied to the the community.
1: And it comes full circle at the end of the episode, too.
0: Yeah. Like, it ties it. But it's also, like, it's reinforcing it. Yeah. It's telling you that some of the most fun parts of the episode are when the music is out. And where they get to, like, come into their own skin or, like, be comfortable in spaces where they're comfortable, and I think the show really balances that really well. I agree. I also wanted to mention that in terms of like exposure to the drag world, or would you would you consider this the drag world? Or you said it was like the ballroom scene. Is that not drag?
1: I don't know. I mean, I think it can be drag, but it's. I think they're also very different.
0: All right, you have exposure to the drag community. Yeah. Did you feel like what you were watching you were familiar with?
1: No, no, it's I don't think I'm familiar with it pretty much at all because it's very different. What I see is very different from what was por- like portrayed because I only go to drag shows. I've never been to like a ballroom scene. So they're two very different things. I think they can coexist in the same like building, but I don't know if they're the same exact thing. I don't I I would say they're not.
0: So being someone who's familiar with the drag scene at this point it's a mainstay of your life like you you freak with them pretty often how did it feel to see this world like did it feel unfamiliar did it feel like this is something that it still feels pretty close to home like did did you feel like you were watching something that was completely new
1: When I was watching it, I kept comparing it a lot to what I see on RuPaul's Drag Race. And I came to the realization that RuPaul's Drag Race is really whitewashed compared to the ballroom scene. And I think that's been a big critique of RuPaul's Drag Race, especially with most of the winners being white men. And that's what I was just comparing it to while watching the show, because I'm like, what? in ballroom scenes, you have a lot of people of color, brown, black people, and you don't have that on RuPaul's Drag Race when it re- like when it really matters. The winner is usually white, or the majority of the winners are white. And I just mm-hmm. thought, like, oh, they're whitewashing history, in a way. And it's been, it's been something that they've been called out on, and it's been something that's been said over and over. So it's really interesting to see and compare the two, because RuPaul's Drag Race borrows so much from the ballroom scene.
0: Okay. And you would say that this show... It doesn't shy away from that, that history or like that reality or that truth.
1: I mean, from the first episode, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see. Hopefully they do go more into the history because they did really well the first episode. But I would say no.
0: And the other thing I wanted to mention is that because you have more exposure to the drag world, which isn't the same as, as what we saw, the barroom scene. But there are some similarities. Me and Santos, I have more experience with the drag scene that Santos does. But I'm kind of in the middle because Santos is kind of new to this, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have three people this time. So there's like three levels, right? You're the person who has a little bit more experience. I'm kind of in the center where like I know things based on like reading and and I got zit, but I don't have like pers- first hand experience. And Santos doesn't have anything. So I wanted to know. <laughs> wow. Like, I'm hurt. I wanted to see like what Santos experience was with the show. Like, how did you feel about what you saw and how does it compare to like other media about? queerness or being like gay identity or drag shows or what was your first conceptualization of like a drag show or a drag you know
2: well the only other drag show i know is the one that gabriel watches all the time and from from what i see uh,
0: and how did this feel compared to that
2: i mean it wasn't how do i say it it wasn't a fixed competition for one i guess i saw people being very passionate about what they do and they like to pose (laughs) yeah So, I was like, at first, I was laughing because I didn't know, like, the difference between their posing and their dancing.
0: I think it's voguing. Explain to us, what is
1: voguing and what is... I don't really know, but... The voguing thing is the Madonna thing, right? What Madonna took from that, yeah. It's not her... She didn't originate that.
2: Oh, she
1: didn't? No.
0: Quick history lesson, Santos. A lot of the stuff that we know about, like, just general things in culture... They were lifted from, like, people of color,
2: group. So she's fake.
0: Like, queer people of color. Like, shade, or, like. Reading. Reading. Like, these words or these things that reverberate through culture, they came from, like, people of color, queer identity. But they're completely erased.
2: Nah. You're lying to me right now.
0: I'm not. I'm really not. So Madonna totally stole that from queer people of color.
2: I'm, like, butterhead right now. I don't. Madonna.
0: but i mean that's the thing that's the story of like everything in music like led zeppelin stole yeah from jazz musicians fucking the Beatles stole from other black musicians like chuck berry or different people and that's just wow. consistently like the story it's, it's taking from people of color
2: thanks for that everything i know is a lie now
1: i mean well welcome
2: to being quote unquote woke fuck
1: but well, i mean when someone's voguing they're pretty much striking a pose and you're dancing around striking a pose every movement every movement you make is something new that you're you know putting out there and you don't touch each other at least that's what i got from the show so you're just in other people's faces but without the physical touch
0: it's like you got served
2: <laughs> i guess kinda kinda <laughs> <laughs> they did break dancing in that one right yeah they did. okay i haven't seen that shit in a long ass time
1: i never watched it
2: is that the Channing Tatum one?
1: No, that's Step Up.
2: You're the dumbest bitch, I swear. <laughs> You're so woke. God damn. That's not even
0: woke. That's just like knowing shit. I don't
1: know the fuck.
0: If this was Dragon Ball.
1: It's, damn. Don't they Vogue in Dragon Ball? Yeah, they do. Is it Frieza? House of Frieza?
0: It's the Forest. They stole that from... They stole that from... <laughs> <laughs>
1: House of Boo? Oh, House of Boo?
0: straight up all right let's get into the themes because there's there's a lot Santos, is there anything else that that like you wanted to talk about any questions you had for for gabriel about the scene gabriel
1: yes
2: oh nothing much just uh how does one earn the because what's her face is technically not a mom yet she hasn't fully evolved to that stage yet right
1: oh a blanca
2: because she needs to be established right type thing
1: I think that's what she's trying to prove in the first episode and that's why she challenges the House of Abundance.
2: Cuz the main one has like more credibility, right?
1: Well, she's been around a lot longer and she has like a name built for herself and her house, yeah.
2: What's her name again? Elektra. Electra. Electra. Electra?
1: Mhm. Mm. Marvel stole that too.
2: Nah. They to think that <laughs> from Greek culture. What the fuck?
1: Hmm. You swear.
0: <laughs> I think uh the Greek myths predated by like a couple thousand years.
1: I am joking
0: but also the greeks were pretty gay so that's true all right so i want to jump into the theme one of the biggest themes which i re- we already talked about me and gabriel already talked about is this is a big big win for representation because it has people of color in the writing room people of color it like creating it and directing it but it also is like a good array of people of color queer identity because we get some people of color who are trans, some people are color who are just queer or gay, and there's several people and they identify differently on the gender spectrum or the their identity spectrum. And I thought one of the one of the scenes that highlights that pretty well is when Electra calls out Blanca and she says that she's like a monster. So even this safe house from the outside world, which kind of shunned her, and she was mothered by Electra. Even there, she's finding pockets of bigotry. Even there in a, in a space where she's supposed to be home, she's kind of ostracized. And I thought that was interesting because it presents like this really complicated version of what queer identity is. Like not everyone who's queer is an ally.
1: There's this point that's trying to be made where just because there's a community for us we' we're, we're all pretty much meant to be in it or we all fit in. But I don't think that's the reality of things. And I think they show that in this episode, there's there's a rivalry going on where one always wants to be better than the other. And she lets that overcome her motherhood. And she pretty much tells Blanca, well, you can leave. And she she pretty much thinks she's ungrateful for everything she's given her as if Blanca owes her something because Electra was doing things that she was supposed to do. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It's complicated.
2: Isn't the, the main objective of, quote-unquote, mother for, like, their kids to, like, blossom into, like, people of their own? I
0: don't know. See, I think that's an interesting question because I think, as a mother, that's what you want, right? But it's like a de facto mother. It's a created mother. It's kind of artificial,
2: so she was just being a bitch?
0: I think there's there's some of that, but for both of the mothers that we see on screen, which is Electra and then the the becoming mother Blanca Blanca, right? They both create kind of this transactional nature to what they want. So you can only live under my house if you do what I want. And what Electra wanted was for them to be loyal and only, you know, pose or go to the balls with her only and even blanca who wants what's best for them but she still wants something for them she still wants to be like a respected home or a respected house so i think there is kind of like it's not fully altruism i still think that she wants something like she's there's still like a transactional nature you help me and i'll help you
1: it feels more genuine coming from blanca than it does coming from electra because at least blanca's trying to get like with Damon, for instance, she's trying to get Damon to fulfill his future and his dreams, and that's she's pretty much like you're gonna do what I tell you to do, and I want to see all of my children succeed in something. So I don't think her intentions are bad or disingenuous. And I think they're a lot better than Electra's. Whereas Electra just wants you to serve her and that's it, without questioning anything that she asks for.
2: She was the other girl was in the in the in the same house, right? Blanca was in Electra's, yeah. No, the one with the afro.
1: Oh, Angel. Yeah, she was in, uh, she left Electra's house too.
2: She was the one that was like, oh, you guys are being fake, right? She said some shit like that in the beginning?
1: Yeah, I think so. And then she ended up, um, pretty much she didn't have the outfit that was required for the ball. She was embarrassed and then,
2: yeah, that's when she
1: ran out.
0: Another thing that I wanted to point out, is Pray supposed to be like the stand-in for RuPaul? Is who? The announcer, but also like the designer.
1: What do you mean like the stand-in for RuPaul?
0: He's someone who retired from the ballroom community. He's someone who, like, is in this position of, like, respect. And he's kind of, like, the announcer. Like, he's the curator of the show. I feel like... I mean, he's obviously not RuPaul, because, you know, they could have just cast RuPaul. But is he supposed to be, like, the stand-in for RuPaul? You know what I
1: mean? I mean, like, I think if you watch uh, Paris is Burning, that's that's a thing that's always been around. I don't know if it's necessarily trying to imitate or B RuPaul, I think it's just another character that's depicting the accuracy of what the ballroom scene is. That's what I took it as.
0: Gotcha. Mm, that make that makes sense. So yeah. RuPaul is just another character. then. Yeah. He's mainstream. It's pretty hard.
1: Yeah, and that's why, again, yeah, there's a lot of things under that.
0: Gotcha. All right. So one of the things I also noticed was right in the beginning, we get this like very hierarchical structure. Like, it's supposed to be like royalty. It's supposed to be like monarchies. Every house is supposed to have, like, a person of power at the top, and then everyone else is kind of their, you know, like their minions or their people that that follow them. So, I thought it was funny that it started off like that, and it was like, they talked in this very particular language where it was kind of shady or petty or whatever, and they were very extravagant. But then, right after that, in the first or the second scene, they go into this museum, and... They really show royal imagery, but it's quickly undercut or it's juxtaposed by them stealing this. So they're kind of royal, but they're not because they're stealing. But they are royal once they get to the ballroom. Like they have like this immense respect. And I think that's the show telling us like in the outside world, they're no one. Yeah. But in the inside world, in the insular world, they're everything. Like they're huge. And I thought that the show doing that was such great writing, like right off the bat.
1: I think Blanca also mentions it to Damon where she finds him in the park and she asks him what his dreams are and how he's not a good fit for the ballroom scene. But I think she mentions it. But then there's Angel who also mentions it where she's like, we can be someone.
0: Yeah. She's like, you won't win an Oscar.
1: Yeah, but you will you will be someone in the ballroom scene. Exactly. But you'll never be someone outside of it because of who you are. I mean, it, it correlates with everything like it's ab- it's about race. Like when they get down to it, it's about race and their orientation and their gender. It's all that that they are and it's comparing it to what they can never be, so they make a name out of themselves somewhere they that they can be. Yeah. Yeah, it shows it off really well in the beginning and they explore it more throughout the episode.
0: Yeah. I think the show does a good job at Building this insular world pretty well because they talk about how, like, the currency there is respect. Respect is everything. Respectability or noticeability or your respect in that culture is everything. That's what you're working for. You're not working for materials, you're working for something that's respect within a culture that you guys have built. And in some ways, that's their normalcy. Like, outside that stuff, outside, like, the, the harshness of the the world outside of their culture is not the same like it's a lot harder out there than it is in here like this is what they this is the language and this is the culture that they've understood and this is how they protect themselves from the outside world this is their escape
1: yeah and it's also where they exist
0: yeah and they exist freely in this space
1: which is i mean i think they show that really well with uh damon and when he gets kicked out of his home and he can't be who he truly is with his parents yeah but with Blanca and the ballroom scene, he can be who he truly is. Did you watch the second episode? No, I didn't. I didn't uh, watch it.
0: All right. One of the last points I wanted to touch on was this very obvious political message. I have said it when it, when, when Trump first got elected, but this Trump era is just trying to be, it's like a bootleg version of the Reagan era. It's like a dumber version of the Reagan era.
1: Did you think it was necessary though for it to be mentioned in the episode?
0: So, this is where my big part comes in. The political message was way over the top. It was way more over the top than it should be. And at first, I was like, this is a little ridiculous. What we get from this Trump stuff, right? We get Evan Peters, whose name is Steve, he goes to get interviewed by James Vanderbeek for a position at Trump. They wax commercialism about like materials they they talk about how they could want the materials which kind of felt like a ripoff of woeful of wall street and then we get angel going to trump tower and it's like beautiful and i think they capture like the immensity or what trump meant in the 80s because before trump was the president and you know now he's disgraced as a president to most liberals he was, like, someone who was respectable. He was, like, this rich person who, like, made it out. He was kind of like the the modern American dream. And he was all about, like, commercialism and materialism. And he was someone to be respected. And in this show, I think they capture that pretty well. They capture how respectable he was supposed to be. But I think including it in this is obviously over over the top. But I think it fits with... The nature of the show because in the ballroom scenes it's so over the fucking top everything has to be over the top because the more over the top you are the better show it is it's this culture where it's a performance and in order to perform being over the top is the key like subtlety is not something that sells being over the top sells and i think having such a grandstanding political message it fits in with the with the narrative of the show. It fits the theme of the show, like having this like very obvious critique about how Trump used to be respected, or like Trump is like this like mindless materialist. is It fits in with the narrative of the show, and I, I'm I'm curious to see how they explore it because they're trying to they're trying to show that even though Trump is attacking trans identity in the current climate, the trans identity or trans people were still thriving. Since back when he was at his height.
1: Uh, I took it as back in the 80s. We still existed. And there's always going to be... um There's a pretty much like... They're intersecting. Like we've yeah. always existed. We still exist now. Even though you're president. We existed back then. When you were just someone who was... I mean well respected. When it came to the business aspect. Yeah. And we still exist now. And I took Steve's character... I mean Stan's character. Evan Peterson's character. Sorry. As a way like... Here's a man who... Is so. Uh, I mean, he's just ecstatic about working under Trump, but mm-hmm. then he's over here. His 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 world is clashing with the world of sex workers and people in the ballroom scene, yeah. and it's kind of like, well, we still exist and we will always exist, and we existed then, so we're gonna and we exist now, and I that's what I took it as, but I don't know if and it I was, agree like, with you.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. But the cherry on top is that Evan Peters who's someone who works for Trump is like a closeted gay person or a closeted person who's in love with trans people. So the, the cherry on top is like saying Ryan Murphy or like the creators of the show are saying, fuck you, Mr. Trump. Even the people who work for you are trans or are in love with trans people or have relationships with gay people. So we are even in, we're even amongst you. And we've been with you since your beginning." And I thought that's that that's why I liked that message so much because it was so fucking obvious, but so yeah. over the top that it fit it fit so well.
1: Yeah, I
2: I agree. What did you think, Santos? I didn't even think about that, Heike. Okay, cool. Moving on. <laughs> did you like uh,
1: Peters in that role season?
2: I did. I thought he was good. You know, I like Evan Peters. I feel like sometimes I didn't like him.
1: I was honestly terrified for Angel in that scene where he took her into the hotel room. Because I was like, oh shit, here we go. Like, she's gonna get murdered.
0: Yeah, my fear was that I was like, alright, they're doing a really good job at, like, not being a show about violence towards queer people of color. I was like, they're do- doing a good job of not being, like, a violent show about that. And then I was like, shit, he's gonna fucking kill her. There's gonna be, like, some... Patrick Bateman, fucking uh what's what's that stupid shit? American psycho shit. But it ended up being kinda of like, kind of a sweet moment where like she talks about she's like, I want he he just wants to sit with her and they don't even want to have sex, he just wants to sit with her and talk. And she's like, What do you want? He's he asked her, What do you want out of life? And she says, Well, I just want a family and a home. And I thought that w- that was great because in her cut while she's saying that It shows. He
1: has a family and home. Yeah.
0: It shows that she wants what he has and he has everything that could be desirable in that, in that place, but he's not happy. And I think that's, that's such an important message that like most people don't think about that just because you have wealth, it's not fulfilling. And I think like intercut with the people who are most happy in the show, which is the ballroom scenes and, like, the queens and the peop- the performers in the in the ballroom scenes. They're the happiest. They're, like, the source of joy in these shows.
1: Yeah, the message pretty much is, as long as you're living your truth, you'll, you won't need wealth. Like, you'll be happy no matter what. Yeah. And you see the contrast with the ballroom scene and then Evan Peters' character.
0: Yeah, and I think is trying to train that into Damon. Like, saying, like, you're not going to get material wealth in this, but you will get fulfillment. And I think that's something that she's trying to poke at like there's two versions of the american dream being highlighted in the show one is the american dream that's traditional which was evan peters and like the nuclear family and being rich and the other one is just surviving surviving under the circumstances that you've been presented which is what the queens and the people in the barroom team are doing
1: yeah
2: was there anyone else surprised there wasn't a sex scene no yeah because there's always fucking sex scenes in Ryan Murphy yeah show. I was like where's the sex scene
0: at Not oh obviously
1: alright anything else you guys wanted to point out I mean there's a lot of uh, toxic masculinity presented in the episode with uh, Damon I think that's also like it's very important to like with that scene when he he's outed or his dad confronts him he tells him like I've raised you a certain way I've given you everything and the mom does the same thing as if Damon owes them something or owes him his sexuality as if he can choose who he wants to be with and i think that was very interesting to see because th- they feel v- like they feel extremely betrayed and they feel like he owes them more than what he's giving them yeah and I like thought that the was least very he could do is see. not be gay yeah and it's That's like, like it's,
0: basically what they're saying to.
1: yeah exactly and it's also very important because i mean a black man it's as a black man it's very hard to be gay in a world that doesn't really care for you so i thought that i mean they tackle toxic masculinity within a black family and a kid who's gay so i thought that was really nice to see on tv yeah
0: and it was so harsh because like they tackle it and then like it's so brutal because after uh the dad confronts damon he kicks him out and like they have no compassion for him they just kick him out they're just like if you're gonna do this at my morals are are this and what you're doing does not comply
2: with my morals so you got to get out
1: yeah it's it's really sad to see but i think it's also very realistic and something that people should be aware of
2: i knew somebody that was like getting attacked by a parent like that
1: well not like physically but like emotionally
0: it was pretty bad yeah it's always the worst luckily like my friends who've had experience like with coming out haven't had haven't been antagonized like that
1: no i haven't thank you
0: you're not my only friend also i wouldn't even consider you a friend
1: i think you are my only gay friend but i think within our group of friends we've also been really lucky to have parents who are somewhat more accepting and we're also growing up in a time where it's more nah within <laughs> our friends i think so yes i don't know like i'm not saying like your siblings but i think with our friends y- yeah i think think it's it's a lot it's been a lot better for us than it than it could be
0: yeah all right so another thing i wanted to ask how did you feel that they represented like the aids crisis because this is kind of like i wouldn't say this is the height
1: no it was it was years after it was like six years because it started in 81 i believe
0: this is like mid to like post or like the, the later years of the aids crisis
1: it was i think it takes place in 87 sorry
0: Okay, so this is right before.
1: No, 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 no. So I, I it started in eighty one, and I think the show
0: eighty six or 86,
1: 86, Yeah, yeah. And the AIDS crisis is when eighty one started in eighty one.
0: Okay, so how did you feel about the way they presented it?
1: I mean, you, going into that scene where you see the gay men waiting out in the in the hospital or the waiting room of the hospital, you kind of know. I mean, as someone who's been exposed to like a lot of documentaries or sh- movies that have like pretty much put that on screen you know what's happening but for it to be treated uh, it's kind of a bummer to like see see it happening to a character but at the same time it's during a time where it was very prevalent
0: like that was the reality so i think
1: yeah it's it's the reality then but i think so i don't think i had as much of of a problem seeing that but with other shows that are more modern i have seen stuff where it's like why does this character you know need to have hiv or it's it sometimes sometimes it's i feel like it's needed and then sometimes i feel like it's just a way to write it in and just get more out of that character when it wasn't really part of the story or the time but i think with this show it's very important to see that in the ballroom scene because a lot of them that that's what drives her character i think yeah. knowing she has hiv that's when she decides she's going to do things for herself and make a name out of herself
2: yeah
1: so i think it's it's important to see do you think it's lazy gabriel no, not for this show, but I have seen in other shows where it's just like okay, like we get it, but not only gay people get HIV. Like you never really see a straight character and HIV being centered around their their plot. Yeah, I get you. So,
0: I mean, but it's it's one of those things that it affected gay people. Like it was a huge part of queer culture in the 80s. Like it's it's a reality. So, I think for me it felt a little like it felt like they, they they simultaneously didn't do enough, and they did too little. Like, they mentioned it, but they didn't really go too deep into it. So it just kind of seemed like a little detail. But I think that they were in a position where, like, we have to mention it because this is the reality. Yeah. And if they didn't, it would just seem mm. kind of weird.
1: But it also seems like, why just sprinkle it in onto such a, like, big character in the show? They They're, they're going to have to mention it later on. I think... That
0: might just be an issue with it being the first episode. Like, you can't I think go so entirely too. into everything.
1: Yeah, because she's still keeping it a secret.
0: Yeah, because I felt like it kept popping up. Like, it kept doing, like, these little dips, like, where it was like, oh, we're talking about it, we're talking about it, and it goes away. Yeah. It wasn't, like, a constant with HIV. Because, I mean, obviously, the show isn't about that. But I felt like this sh- this first episode was pretty comprehensive. And that's a segue into talking about our ratings.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it is now time for the moment you've all been waiting for.
0: And what's that?
2: It is
1: now time for the B.T.'s!
0: Okay. We should have, like, disclaimer. So, for some reason, we say broken televisions for the ratings, but don't, you know, don't question it. So, out of one through five, how many?
1: This is a show that really tackles what the ballroom scene was based off the first episode, and I think the representation in it is also excellent. It's a show that shows more than one queer character in it and centers around them. And it doesn't just focus on their sexuality or their gender. It focuses more on what they want to do in their life that doesn't revolve necessarily around those, uh, those parts of them. So I think I, re- I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed them touching on toxic masculinity, the comparisons between Evan Peters' character and the characters in the ballroom scene. I thought that was pretty amazing to see. And, I mean, the music, the fashion, the camera movements during the performances were all pretty great to see. And I thought Electra's character was pretty spot on. I mean, she's a lot like Crystal Abasia, And that's what I got uh, watching her character. Yeah. And I think overall, I really enjoyed it and I definitely will be watching it. I'll give it four out of five broken. Or BTs. Sorry. Okay.
2: No, you can say Broken Television. (laughs) The way he says it, though, it sounds like disrespect.
0: All right, Santos, it's your time to shine, baby.
2: Santos, oh, here we
0: go. Santos, my friend, my buddy, uh. my homie, the love of my life, the apple Humble. in my, the apple of my eye, the apple in my eye,
1: light of my life,
0: the light of my love,
1: moon and my stars,
0: the sun and the mountains. But <laughs> <laughs> how many BTS is this?
2: Okay, so unfortunately. I don't have the same experiences <laughs> my lovely friend Gabriel does, so I have nothing to base this off,
0: Tee-hee.
2: but I did enjoy some good writing, some good acting, some good music, some good dancing, posing, <laughs> what, whatever, voguing. Yo, TBH, that dance, the
0: last dancing was a little much, but. Oh, uh, thank you, thank
1: you. That was the point of it, though, because it was just him feeling who he really was.
0: As I mentioned with the Trump stuff, it it fits the narrative of the show.
2: I'm sorry. Who's giving their BTs right now? Uh,
0: Go ahead. Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. Forgive me for that. Forgive me, mother. Gosh. I'm sorry, mother.
2: This show gave me characters that I'm actually planning on rooting for. So that was pretty cool. I thought for me, a lot of the scenes from Peter weren't like necessary Okay. for me. I kinda got the idea as soon as I got it. I also thought this show became predictable after the first thirty minutes. I kinda okay.
1: figured Oh you knew you knew which pose they were gonna strike?
2: Yes, which pose. Like I kinda figured that <laughs> him and the girl and uh what's her name? Angel, right? Yeah. Yes. That they were gonna fall in love and then Oh you I don't mean, know that yet. Is-
1: I mean, it's there. Yeah, but they're you don't gonna know if that's
2: fucking a- fall in love, dog. They, they, they okay. They haven't already?
0: Supposedly.
2: And then you know, I'm I, I'm down to see my boy. uh, What's his name? Damon. Yeah, I'm down to see him become the greatest dancer you know there ever was.
1: Did you just make a pun? What? No, I'm talking to Caesar when he was like suppose.
0: No, I would never do that. Okay. Why would you pose that question? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that one was actually pretty funny.
1: Santos shouldn't even be on here. He's a poser.
2: High key? <laughs> that was pretty good,
1: gamer. I didn't oh. even hear what he said. I said Santos shouldn't be on this. He's a poser.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> so, how many BTs did you give it? 3.5. Okay. All right, my turn. So... I thought that the show was excellent. I thought there was just so many things to like. And the things that you didn't like that you're talking about how it's predictable. It was at some points, but I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was good because there isn't much media sort like by queer people for queer people. So I mean yeah, you're gonna run into some tropes, like the dad being like the hyper masculine dad who like hates his kid being gay, which is almost a trope in, in a lot of uh things about queer identity or coming out stories but i thought it worked i think it, it helped build his his character i love the ballroom scenes i love the camera work i love the feel of the show i think fx and i think some of the producers from or the production design from the americans probably worked on the show because it's also an fx show the feel of the 80s was nailed perfectly like There's kind of like this filter of like grime that that feels that that's on it. It kind of feels old timey and like they nailed the look of the 80s pretty well. Like it was this ballroom that it didn't look great if you paid attention to it. But it was the lights and the show that you were supposed to be paying attention to. So I like the look of it. I like the writing. I like the overt political message about Trump. Because it's kind of a fuck you to him. And I I really like that because fuck Trump. So, yeah, overall, I think I'm going to go with, like, a 4.3. I thought it was a strong pilot, but it's hard to call it a pilot because it was just so much. But I thought it was pretty comprehensive and you get a good snapshot of all these characters yeah it builds like the world pretty well
1: yeah it n- never left like someone who would never like was never experienced that and never left like let them feel lost with what was going on in the show it did its best to pretty much explain what this was and what that was and i think it did a good job doing that yeah i mean for like example santos hasn't really been exposed to any of this but he pretty much he, he pretty much got the point of what was going on or what this was and what that was Except for the posing and voguing.
2: Except for the posing dancing. <laughs>
1: oh my god. But you can watch Goku Kamehameha and not laugh. Wow. Okay.
2: Bitch. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Okay, hold up. Hold up. There's some fighting words right now. All right, all right all right, all right, all right. There's all some right. fighting words.
0: Chill. Also, I fucking love when Praytel was like. What did she say that her, her shirt was from? And he's like, Oh, is that from JCPenney?
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Fucking drag drag so her
2: rude. bro. Even I thought that was offensive.
0: I was like, Damn, I shop at JCPenney.
1: You're going to catch Caesar Vogie into JCPenney lodge. Fuck that.
2: That shit is running out of business, dog. Stop. Don't go there, dog.
1: All right, shut the fuck up. Nobody cares about I have you. no Come
2: sense on. of fashion, and I don't go there, dog. I wear cargo shorts. I don't go there.
0: Oh, he does wear cargo shorts.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Anyway, let's get into the predictions. And I want you guys to be brutally honest because of what this show is. How long do you see this show going?
2: All of his shows are successful. Yeah, pretty much. Except for, like, Scream, whatever.
1: Scream Queen.
0: Yeah, Scream Queens got canceled, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, the only one.
1: Yeah, but... I feel like this is also very different from a lot of the other stuff he's done, so I don't know whether or not it's gonna do as well with audiences,
0: yeah, but f x is like honestly the best thing with like be besides h b o they got the best shows,
1: so predictions,
0: all right, so I think that this show just based on the pilot and just based on the reception that it's been getting, I think there's a hunger for shows about people of color for people of color. And I think Ryan Murphy has his finger on the pulse of culture. He knows the zeitgeist. He knows what's popular. And he's pretty much, he's kind of like the gay, the white gay Shonda Rhimes. He knows what the fuck to make. And I think this show is going to be a hit. And it's even better, and I'll, I'll give him credit where credit is due. It's even better when he makes shows that are impactful like they're saying something and they're about something and they're about representation and they're important i think this is one of those important shows and it's probably one of the most important shows this year this and be the so far like one of the most important shows i'm not saying it's the best but i think it's an important show wait
2: you know what i just realized i thought fox was like racist anti-gay anti like Immigrants and
1: all this. Yeah, they care more about the money.
0: You're thinking about Fox News. They're they're different. They're separate. FX is supposed to be like their like their punk rock version of their Adult Swim. It's kind of like how Disney owns. You know they 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 put out like princess shit, but they also like put out some raunchy shit sometimes. Like some of the companies that they own. So yeah, I'm gonna go. I think it's it's gonna last like anywhere from three to four seasons because i don't think wow i don't think this show should be that long like that's just me personally but i think i am hoping that this show is one of those shows that tells the story it wants to tell and it doesn't drag on because i know ryan murphy drags it on ryan Murphy's shows tend to drag on pretty long
2: i'm pretty sure what's his face his character is gonna last long too he's pretty successful who damon no the what's his name the white guy evan Peters. Yeah.
1: Well, he's in all his shit. I think what Ryan Murphy does, I mean, he does a lot of anthology series, so the shows that actually run do drag on. So I, uh, I'm i also hoping that's not the case with this, but I also see it ending after like three to four seasons because I feel like you can get what you want to get across with this show in a very short amount of time without, you know, having it drag on a lot more than it needs to be. So I think, yeah, yeah. three three seasons, I think, would be good, but who knows?
2: Is this one of those, like, 25 episodes? Or is this 13? Do you guys
1: know?
0: No, it's eight episodes. Ray Murphy only does short episodes. It's only eight. And by the way, he did Feud Feud last year, which was another show that was, like, a massive hit. And it won, like, a bunch of Emmys. Yeah. Yeah. It was last year, though. So, all right. You say three to four?
1: Yeah, I say three to four as well.
0: All right. Go ahead. Talk to us. Bring us home, baby. I say three to
2: four. Four,
0: Oh, wow. can't even, like... <laughs> you can't even like pretend like you're interested
2: you want me to be different i'll be different but
0: no bitch just give us your honest opinion
2: trying to make me be different bitch. i don't think this shit should last long either but i don't know that guy's track record i have a feeling it's gonna be like six but this looks like one of those shows that can change casts and still like you know what i mean kind of like glee did like like keep going but it's it, it change it'll they'll change cast and like evolve type thing.
1: Well, that's what he was mentioning about anthology. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I don't think you really need that with this show.
2: Yeah, because this show is,
0: seems like it's about like a finite story.
2: I don't know, dog. It it's just
0: or like it's a story about these characters, not like yeah. You're gonna tell a story about Pose like every year.
2: Hey, I'm just going by that guy's track record because he's done that twice already, right? Yeah.
0: Well, he's done it. A bunch of times.
2: Yeah, like he'll keep evolving the show and then it'll, be, it'll slowly become trash. I,
0: mean. oh, I don't know about that. American Horror Story and Glee are the only ones I know that are just complete garbage. Well,
2: that's what I'm saying. Those are the only two I'm talking about.
0: But American Crime Story has stayed pretty good.
1: Those are good. Yeah.
0: And I heard Feud is good, but it's only been one season. So, I mean, he's been around. He also worked on like Nip Tuck and different shit like that.
1: Oh,
2: okay.
0: Which is also trash. Anyway, so how, how,
2: how long are you saying? Four seasons.
1: All right. Something tells me
2: it's going to be longer
1: than that, though.
0: Okay.
2: Anything else you guys want to touch
1: on? No, I think we pretty much got everything.
2: This is officially my first, whatchamacallit, show. Game? Am I RuPaul yet?
1: Oh, my god, No.
0: Honestly, you're a queen.
2: Do I have Do I have that power? Am I established? You're my queen. I, I'm going to go on and make my own house now. What? House Goku's. <laughs> G- Good
0: night. Alright, this was episode 13. We'll see you at 14. Passengers, we have landed. Why
2: don't we tell the people what we're going to review next?
0: I don't know what we're going to review next. Why are you asking all these damn questions, bitch?
1: <laughs> you should do a true crime documentary. I think that'd be interesting.
0: Uh, I won't
2: be available for that one.
0: Santos doesn't watch documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: Santos stupid.
0: We posably might do it. I don't
2: know.
1: Wow. It seems like an impossible test for Santos to watch a documentary, so I don't think so. Oh, yeah, that was know. trash,
2: Gabriel. Stop. <laughs> that was bad. Anyway, uh, God, this Yeah,
1: is our-
0: sometimes Santos is imposable.
1: Santos is an imposter.
0: Stop,
2: Gabriel. First. <laughs> anyway. Alright, I'ma stop. I'ma end this. Okay, thank you for listening hold on, to hold the on, Pilot Boys. on,
0: I, I want another pose pun. What is it? <sighs> that was me. Po- po uh, uh all right bye <laughs> <laughs>